0: Next station is Finch. Finch Station. This is the terminal station. This is a Victoria
1: Line train
2: to Brixton. Hello and welcome to the next stop. I'm Helen Lee and I'm Vincent Puhaka. We're indulging in a bit of transit nerdery this episode. InterCity bus maps.
3: Well, that's great because I'm very much a transit nerd.
2: You are the co-host of a transit podcast, after all.
3: Of course, and. This is a topic that's very important to me. I wouldn't say it's a popular one, but after listening to this episode, I think you'll agree that we should talk more about intercity bus maps and why they matter.
2: There's a lot of talk in certain circles of urban mobility. It's almost a sexy topic within the urban planning crowd. On top of that, cities in this country have embarked on a modest investment in transit, particularly rapid transit. You might say we've been in a bit of a transit renaissance for the past 20 years or so. The opposite is true when it comes to transit between communities. When you think about it, it's almost criminally hard to travel through Canada without a car. Transit, both local and intercity, is pretty much absent from rural areas, and even large cities have few options to get in and out. Calgary, for example, has a population of over 1 million people and has no intercity rail service at all. And it's been that way since the early 90s. Buses have fared worse than trains in recent years. In Ontario alone, bus routes between cities and towns have virtually disappeared. Three decades ago, you could take a bus to pretty much any town in this province. Maybe only once per day, but you could get there. Bus companies, of which Greyhound was the largest, used several cities outside of Toronto as hubs where one could change between services without having to travel through downtown Toronto. Although fragmented into different companies, it was a network.
3: Over the course of our lifetimes, this network has been eviscerated. Greyhound continually cut service and whole routes over the years. Smaller companies went under entirely. By the time the COVID-19 pandemic rolled around, Greyhound was limited to a few routes between major cities, all of which transferred through Toronto. The pandemic itself was the nail in the coffin for Greyhound, which shut down entirely in Canada in May 2021. Several companies have taken over some of the routes that Greyhound left behind, but the network across Ontario remains a shadow of what it was a few decades ago. Believe it or not, the provincial government used to publish a bus map of Ontario, but its distribution was halted in the 1990s. We at The Next Stop, of course, are big believers in maps and how they allow us to visualize our transit options. We find the fact that an official bus map isn't published as illustrative of how the governments of all parties have treated the intercity transport sector as an afterthought. Personally, I've always found it odd that while road maps of the province are commonplace and transit maps are pretty easy to access in most cities, it's impossible to figure out how to take a bus in Ontario without a fair amount of research ahead of time. That's assuming that you even get to your destination without a car. The lack of a bus map and the lack of Actual buses clearly are related.
2: All is not lost. The demise of Greyhound has prompted a flurry of activism in the past year, particularly from the Amalgamated Transit Union, who has been advocating for a national intercity transit network. Still, there remains one glaring omission. We still have no maps. No official ones, at least. Fun fact... Vincent co-created an Ontario intercity bus map called Dude, Where's My Bus Map with our mutual friend, Sean Cleaver. Sean Marshall, who you may remember from our episode on the Miracle of Brampton Transit, also created his own intercity bus map of Ontario. Since we know both Sean's, we thought it'd be fun to talk to them about their bus maps. First up, our chat with Sean Cleaver. Sean teaches at McGill University and moves about the world using active transportation and public transit.
3: I was trying to think, you know, when, when Helen told us or told me that we were going to get together and talk about the bus map, yeah. I was trying to, you know, look back and think, when did we actually start this thing? I thought late 2016, at least we had the discussion.
0: That that timeline's right. The Two of us were complaining about something or other. I don't remember exactly what it was. We complain a lot. We do. We did. We do. So we, we might have to piece together some details there. But through our shared frustration, we started discussing it in late 2016. You came by my office at U of T at some point. And I believe that we sealed the deal to do this at Einstein's Pub on College, if memory serves me.
3: I do remember that. And it's been a while, hasn't it?
0: It has been, Yeah. Yeah, that was during a time that I was on a bit of a kick with bus maps. Professionally, I'm an academic, and as a researcher, I've been doing research together with persons with disabilities in Zambia since 2013. And as someone who doesn't really drive, gets around by public transit wherever I go, the only public transit that exists in Zambia are privately operated minibuses. And it was an entire project to figure out where those lines actually operate. It was very easy for me to ask someone a question. If I need to get from A to B, where do you go? But in terms of thinking of it as a network, that information was was not available anywhere that I looked. So that's interesting.
3: So I remember when we s- sat down to start the bus map project, it was very difficult for us to find actual schedules yeah. that were publicly available and routes. Typically what would happen is you go to the website of Megabus or Greyhound, and it will prompt you to type in a starting point and an endpoint. At no point does it tell you, do your starting points and endpoints exist within our service. It prompts you to search them. It will then tell you if such a trip is possible and mm-hmm. then give you a price. Nowhere does it fit it into a network. And like I say, nowhere does it tell you whether this trip is even possible or not. Mm-hmm. I do remember Greyhound, before they pulled out of Canada entirely, would have a station finder. So you could find the addresses of said uh, ticket agents or stations. It didn't tell you schedules or uh, a route map.
0: Well, we were able to find such things on the Greyhound website because we dug them up.
3: Yes, they do exist.
0: Yeah, they, they, they were not easy to find, but uh, with lots of effort, we were able to track them down at various time points and
3: we must have had a discussion about this at some point i don't know why do we think this information just doesn't exist it seems very strange to me part of me just thinks it's because they've always done it and they were able to gain riders with the status quo so they just didn't care yeah i think greyhound in particular didn't seem to be a particularly well-run company not just bus company but even the other operator never had maps yeah and i always wondered why this was why was this the case? And I guess I don't think anyone else was doing bus, doing
0: self-made bus maps at the time we were. Not many. We, we, we found a few different ones that were about, like if, if you remember, you dug up some stuff from Oregon, I think. Mm-hmm. There was a decent multimodal map from Victoria in Australia yes. that we were able to find but in terms of bringing together various operators to create a network and to be able to answer the questions of where do the services go so that you can even at the baseline start to think about what the intercity bus system offers. Yeah, that, that it was really rare. And I guess
3: the question is, beyond just why did these not exist, why would one want to map in the first place? Right. Because I guess that's that's the question that should be asked. Yeah. To me, I think... A map tells you, can I even get to said place? And I think that's very important. And it was just missing in the Ontario scene.
0: Yeah. And I believe that this feeds into a general view that people have of transit as a viable transportation mechanism. That our default is that getting from A to B is done by car. Yeah. And folks do have a good sense of what the road network looks like. And then besides that, depending on people's social status or their, the groups in which they run, it's, it's commonly known, for example, that Megabus was a common way to get between Toronto and Montreal Yeah, or, or to get to Niagara, yeah. that Megabus worked well to out to London and Windsor and whatnot. The Greyhound was the way that you did that. But in terms of fitting the pieces together, I suspect that the maps weren't offered because people weren't asking for them. And people weren't asking for them because that default of car transit as being the way to operate was just too strong.
3: Yeah. So we found out that up until the 90s, the province of Ontario did publish Intercity Bus Map of Ontario. It broke it down by operator. And I don't think it gave you much information in terms of like scheduling or whatnot, but it showed you that said trip existed. They stopped publishing this in the 90s. The last one I was able to find was maybe '96 and then it just went away, and no one did it again. And I think you're right, absolutely. The, the concept is that if you're going to go somewhere outside of the big city, you're going to take a car. Yeah, like That's just where people's brains are at. Mm-hmm. If you asked a person off the street how I take a bus to name a place in Ontario, they probably would, wouldn't know. I guess that's what, kind of the world we were operating in, and we went and did it.
0: It's worth mentioning as well that since we made this, Google Maps, for example, has started to integrate intercity buses into their schedule. Yep. And we started in 2016. Via was incorporated, but the bus lines weren't. I forget who I contacted about this. I, I think... I you actually might have been Google. Yeah, and I'm trying to think if I would have sent them an email or responded to a tweet or, or something like that. I think the answer was it's up to the operator. Exactly. So, I, however we asked the question, I don't remember. Yeah. but But that was the answer. So the
3: TTC loads its information into Google. Yeah. And so, well, actually, that's an interesting topic all on its own. It's accepted that municipal transit will have a map. Yeah. They all publish them. Yeah. Pretty much everywhere that transit exists, they will publish a map. Mm-hmm. There are maybe some small exceptions, but the like intercity operators decided this wasn't something they needed to do. I did notice it would be very ad hoc. You could find the Greyhound stop in Fort Erie right. on Google Maps for some reason. They decided to load that. Megabus, someone Or a existed. rider
0: decided to load it.
3: Or a rider did, yeah. yeah exactly. Someone loaded it. Uh, Megabus did exist as well. You could find it, yeah. but it just really wasn't there. I think with the map, it was, it's kind of interesting because we we are definitely
0: not cartographers. I know. Yeah, we're, we're not cartographers. Yeah.
3: For anyone listening, we put this thing together on Google
0: Maps. It was very janky. It was a yeah. very janky map.
3: Uh, there were lots of problems with discovering how we would layer on routes, how to draw them. We had discussions about if it's a, a long route, should we physically draw it along the highway or just make an A to B connection
0: from Toronto to Ottawa, let say. We experimented with yeah. some pretty painstaking yeah. curves along windy roads, yeah. I
3: spent many an evening drawing the Ontario Northland route along Highway 11 and trying to route it into each town. It was terrible. Although now I know random street names in Marathon, Ontario.
0: I'm not sure if that's useful, but I know it. That. it could be someday. I, I think we kind of enjoy trivia too. so We do. There, there is that benefit. We do. And another thing, actually, that while
3: we're on this topic, though, of sort of decisions to be made while making a map like this, we had a bunch of discussions about what actually shows up on the map. Yes. And what counts as intercity transit. Yes, yes. So there's some obvious ones. Greyhound is clearly intercity transit subsequent maps to ours which I should mention are much better sometimes will include for example municipal transit that operates between counties Mm -hmm. so something like a transit bus from Stratford Ontario to Kitchener they consider that to be intercity I think we included things like that but drew the line at primarily commuter services is that right am I am I
0: remembering that correctly you are remembering that correctly. And uh, off the top of my head, I'm trying to remember some of the less intuitive services that we included. There was one in southwestern Ontario that operated between uh, Sarnia and London or so. Yeah. We included that, I think. We, we did include it. Yeah. So so that being one that folks might not think of as a transit service, even though like you, you could buy a ticket. And, yeah, yeah, it was. Oh, it was the airport buses. Exactly. Yeah. The Grey Bruce Airbus. Yes. Which, yeah, that that being exactly.
3: Also, if you dug down their website, had scheduled services between random towns in Ontario. Or I guess it was more like they would let you buy a ticket between two points that weren't the airport.
0: Yes. So you could actually use it as a bus. And from our point of view, as transit riders, as people who don't drive, that can be the difference between being able to make it to a location or not. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it struck me as intuitively valuable, even though it's not an obvious choice for, for folks who are used to thinking of intercity buses as those that serve the Toronto Coach Terminal, yeah. for example, because they're clearly yeah. not that. Exactly. I, to your point about um, services between cities that we opted not to include, being from Niagara I was at least happy about the the creation of Niagara Region Transit going between Well and St. Catharines, Port Colborne, Fort Erie. I've been Yeah, and it, we opted not to put that on because we we figured that it operated more like a municipal transit system rather than being intercity. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I guess where do you draw the line because
3: it does go yeah. no between cities. Yeah, but yes, it operates more like a transit service. They use transit buses. They connect with local transit service mm-hmm. on the same fare. Sort of. Sometimes. Sometimes. Uh, so we had to draw the line. But I guess we included buses that weren't coach buses. Yeah. Is the idea. If they yeah. operate on the same kind of service. Yeah. So somewhere
0: kind of Vanny.
2: Yeah. Who came up with the name?
3: And it's a reference to a movie from 2003, which. Starring
2: Ashton Quinn.
3: <laughs> yes. Which maybe dates us. But I think there was a kernel of something else there. Right. Because also referencing cars. And yeah. we, we, we don't have a dude. Where's my car?
2: Exactly. I want to just kind of, in case listeners are not aware of the movie starring Ashton Kutcher, the name of the movie is actually called Dude, Where's My Car? And so I think it's just such a clever twist on the title because you think of people trying to find their car in like a big parking lot. For you two, it was, where is my bus map to get from... Niagara to London, Ontario, or to get from Sault Ste. Marie to, I don't know what's closest to Sault Ste. Marie, but. Sudbury, I Sudbury, guess. Sudbury, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Closer, far, but regardless of uh, how, how do you do this? Yeah. And it felt very absurd that such a thing did not exist to the point of stimulating us to make a janky map. Right on, I, on the one hand. And the other aspect was what, when we realized that to draw any attention to the map, that a website would be a good compliment. And also right. they gave us a soapbox to talk about intercity buses that it seems that no one else wants to talk about. We, we took a, an active stance to be kind of whimsical. And Dude, Where's My Bus Map felt very consistent to that.
3: Yeah, we had kind of an irreverent take on, on the topic because it is kind of a niche topic. One that I think affects more people than I guess people realize as being a, a man yourself who has arrived in Toronto from somewhere else. Yeah. People do this. And yet the way we've organized our systems seem to make it very hard to do that.
0: Comprehensively. Yeah. Yes. Travel places, mm-hmm. know where you're going. It's a bit of
3: a problem, but uh, yeah, and it was, it was us fooling around Helen. I feel like a lot of projects like this get off the ground because I'm not You find someone who's passionate about it like like you are, and there you go. Project is off the ground. What I find pretty interesting, and maybe it's a bit of a digression, but there's a lot of activism around local public transit, but no one seems to care about how you go to other places. It's kind of bothered me a -hmm. little bit, because if you need to drive to go to nearby places, you probably just start driving in your own city as well. Once you've sunk the cost into your own vehicle, you're just going to use it for for everything. So I think intercity transit matters more than people realize.
2: For me, like, yeah, I've been so curious. Like, how the hell do I get to London, Ontario without having to piggyback with a friend who has a car? I'm certainly not going to hire somebody to drive me to London, Ontario or Guelph or Waterloo. We're going to be taking this show on the road when it's safe to travel. I wanna know how we want, we're want we going to get to Krishna Waterloo, for example, so we can check out the ION LRT. Something like this? Super useful. And I can't be the only person who's in this position of, I cannot drive or choose not to drive, can't afford to drive, right? But I still want to be able to travel within my own province.
3: Our last post was the summer of 2019
0: we, we may not have done well to maintain this over time I we guess. didn't
3: uh maybe we'll restart it
0: to be fair but yeah. there's also a need for a new map these days too we'll, we'll discuss this yeah indeed Certain we will discuss this but, yeah. but i was going to say the last post was in the summer it
3: was a post of mine but going to Wasega sega beach on the greyhound my what an experience that was what i found very funny was how greyhound website will list their stop as the ymca when you buy the ticket Tells you the stops at different address. And the driver let us off kind of somewhere in between those two, which is fine. We got there. Coming home, I had an actual fear of like, are we just going to miss this bus because we don't know where it's going? So this is what intercity travel is like yes. in Ontario. And with Sega Beach is an actual destination that many people go to in the summer. It's not some nowhere town. And I would point out, there's a point I'm trying to make here. We did find the bus. It does go to the YMCA. So there, there you go. Uh, well, it doesn't but
0: anymore. There's no possibly more. possibly not relevant at this point. Not but, relevant but now. Yeah. The
3: point is, I think there is a market for these things. So we were standing in the YMCA parking lot, and a, a guy walks up to us, older fellow, asks if this is the the bus stop. See, I said, yeah, would be, well, I think it's the bus stop, but there's other people waiting, so we're going to assume it's the bus stop. And we're just talking to him. He says he actually is from Toronto and he has a cottage in Wasega. and he is, you know, traveling by himself would rather, would rather take the bus. We do ourselves a disservice when we think that this the idea of bus travel is just for a certain type of person. If you looked at this guy, you'd assume he had a car, Sixty 50-something white dude. No, he would rather take the bus if it's offered to him. So I think we're really doing this province a disservice when we just don't offer these kind of things. He also think, didn't know where the bus stop was. <laughs> there's a bigger yeah. problem here.
0: Oh, I I agree with you with respect to the utility of the service. Another aspect that I believe is worth considering is the extent to which maps are helpful to people. Yes. So for you and I, the advantage is clear because we, we reason geospatially. Yes. And are inclined to ask questions about what are the possibilities of travel. I think for loads of people, it would be good enough to be able to spit out an itinerary That is multimodal and incorporates different services. Yeah, just so that folks want to know that, like to Helen's point, if you want to go to London, then how do you get there? So, for the majority of people, as long as that's in place, I think it will at least allow them to know whether or not what they want to do can be done. But I also think that there is the need for things like maps that then answer the questions of what can be done. So that this is where it makes it a bit more niche. It's because the the number of people who are interested in a map is a subset of the number of people who are likely to find intercity bus travel useful. Right, exactly. So I think
3: the question isn't, are, is everyone want to find maps absolutely fascinating? The question is, just to your point, there's a certain percentage of people who want to go to any given location. The map will be useful to them because they know how they can get there. Maybe they this can hitch a ride with this someone and that's fine. Yeah. Maybe that person can't take them. Yeah. Now they know they can just go anyway.
0: Yeah.
3: And go do whatever it is they're going to do. A map is a nerdy topic, but it allows access to services that allow you to have freedom, just in the same way that transit map does, because you know you can get to X place. That's why the maps are published. They also show it as a system, so you know you can get many places.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and we're talking about freedom mobility, and I really believe that I should have the freedom mobility without having to buy a car because being a driver and car ownership is a privilege.
3: It's a privilege, but it's also very interesting is that it's taken as a no brainer that road maps will be published of cities and territories yep. and things. And that's right. normal. And they should, because sure. you, know, you can imagine the absurdity of yeah. leaving your driveway and just sort of figuring out where you're going to go. Which is kind of like what taking buses is like. Not exactly the same, but you know, they publish maps is the point. Road maps differentiate between different types of roads. Yeah. They'll tell you whether it's a limited access highway or an ulterior road. Or a uh, you can tell by the, the way the road is drawn on the map, whether it's a low low speed limit. It gives you clues as to how you are traveling. We tried to do the same thing with our bus map. We had frequency, we mm-hmm. sorta of tried to put that in there, different operators. It's basically the same function as a roadmap. Am I as am I weird by thinking that? I don't think so. Not at all.
0: Yeah. No, I, I don't think that you're weird in thinking that. I, I also recognize that there are loads of people these days who never consult the maps, whose travel consists of turning the GPS yeah, that's on true. with the destination plugged in and then not knowing how places spatially relate one to the other. It's not a problem at all to them because they still get from A to B. That's a good point. And that's actually how the bus company websites were set up. Yeah. A to B. It, to a certain extent in that the bus company websites wouldn't allow for you to mix operators, for example. No, they won't. So it made it seem like there were fewer possibilities than it actually were. But you actually made the counterpoint, as in there's no need for a map.
3: People just want to know, if can they go A to B? But for, think, for for a bunch of folks. Yes. Yeah. But I think the key difference is because we live in a society that re- where roadmaps are published so you know yeah. you can go places, that's the key difference. Whereas without, in the absence of the bus map, you don't know you can go places. That's the key point. So I don't think our argument is that megabus should necessarily change its website to not allow people to plug things in this way. But mm-hmm. that's how folks access the service, should somebody publish a bus map? Maybe. We can talk about whether it should be grassroots folks right. like us making yeah. it or should it be the province that publishes it and the answer isn't necessarily cut and dry because the yeah. province will make choices to include certain information that maybe we think should be included so it's not us just saying that the government should just do everything i think the map should exist
2: where can listeners find the bus map
3: bus map is at dude where's my bus map dot wordpress dot com Something that sounds like about that. right yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a lot so. of letters and yeah
0: thanks
2: again sean for joining us in the next stop
0: It was a real pleasure. Thank you.
2: Next is our interview with Sean Marshall. Sean is an urban geographer based in Toronto who's interested in municipal politics, transit, urban planning, and travel. You can find his blog and intercity bus map at seanmarshall.ca. So I just want to ask straight up,
3: honest question, why on earth make a bus map?
1: Well, back in the 1980s and the early 1990s, the Ministry of Transportation actually produced these bus maps. And uh, being a kid in Brampton and being fascinated by by the maps I collected, I noticed that on the Ministry of Transportation uh, Ontario maps, there's uh, information on the side that tells here's all the different maps you can order from the ministry if you want them. They had an airport map, they had a uh intercity transportation map. So I ordered both of those and I got both of those. I still have the airport map. I do not what, know what happened to that uh, transportation map. I remember it well. And then uh, I said, why don't they make these anymore? Uh, because they were really useful. And it showed where the buses were, train service was, a list of all the agencies that are providing scheduled service in Ontario with the phone numbers to contact. And at each stop location, you could see which operators served that stop. At U of T, they still have those maps in their map library. So I scanned a couple of those and had a look. I got really interested because when Greyhound was disappearing across Western Canada, uh, over the years, they used to really cut down the number of trips they had. There used to be routes across the whole province and agencies like the TDC, Owned its own service, Grey Coach, that served South Central Ontario. The HSR in Hamilton had similar bus service called Canada Coach Lines, and that served the Niagara region uh, up to Kitchener and out towards London. So you had all these different local, medium sized, and sometimes large providers connecting pretty much every town and city in Ontario at the time. And this is right up until the early 90s when deregulation started to kick in. You had the smaller operators being bought up by Greyhound or by a First Group or a Stagecoach, which were these multinational companies that weren't so interested in providing the local service that a small town operator might have liked to do, but more interested in, in those long distance trips that students and commuters were taking all the time. So you saw Greyhound starting cutting back and focusing on the trips that served the university towns. And you had Coach, uh, Coach Canada, which was Stagecoach. It focused on the megabus routes and less and less on those local services that they bought from Canada Coach Lines and elsewhere. So you started to see a pairing back of all the bus services. And then once we had some of these regional transportation services start to come online and start filling the gaps left by the big companies, you had to go to each individual website to find out information. So I thought, this is interesting And I saw the map that you and Sean put together. I thought that was quite good, but you had very different criteria for how to make a map. I thought I should probably, I want to create one that has everything on it. The one, the companies that have their own maps on their websites, because a lot of those companies did not. Greyhound never really did front Canada, but also where the local services were running. Simcoe County, for example, is starting up a, a service connecting Barrie with some of the outlying towns and cities. Niagara Region had one, and uh, Chatham Kent, uh, for years, has had uh, a service.
3: It, it's interesting. I you know when when Sean and I were working on our map, the intercity landscape was a bit different than when you started because Greyhound still existed, and so we did end up limiting ourselves to actual intercity coaches. You didn't have as many of these regional services. Yes, Chatham-Kent did. A few of the local transit agencies in southwestern Ontario did, but uh, it was a different time when we were doing it. This was 2016, and, and my, how things have changed. What I found really interesting about your uh, talk just there, and I remember an article that you wrote for your blog about this as well, and I think TVO ended up, was it TVO, I ended up taking the article about the, the published bus map that the province published?
1: I did. Uh, yeah, I th- I wrote that for TVO, and then I just put a link on it to my site. And then that really inspired me to create uh, a new map that did what the MTO used to do.
3: So it was really interesting to me because as someone who finds maps very useful, in the sense that the map tells you, where could I possibly go by public transit? This is very different, of course, than the operator websites, which will have you plug in usually a destination or origin and a destination. You don't know if the destination is possible. The map tells you where is it actually possible to go. I think this is very useful. But did you find people were actually asking for a map like this?
1: To a certain degree, yes, because there, there was no, very little information. And some of the operators use uh, Google Maps, for example. Norfolk County introduced a new service between Simcoe and Bramford, which I took just before the pandemic hit. And they used Google Maps. And then some of the others did as well, Tigo and Simcoe County. So you could start planning a route on some services using Google Maps, but others you couldn't. And part of what I wanted to do with this was not only to create a map to be used by the public, but also kind of give a, a push to some of these operators as well to get on, at least get on Google Maps, Google Transit, so that anyone planning a trip can see. I can do this by bus, for example. And I think this Ministry of Transportation, since they're funding a lot of these new routes in the community connections, it would be good to have a clearinghouse as well that you can find where to get from here to there. I mean, they have a website, they have information on Goal Transit you can link to, and they have a list of all the agencies that provide public transit, but you have to dig through that site And I'd love to see the Ministry of Transportation take this on and make my map irrelevant. But I don't think that's going to happen in the next little while. You just mentioned a little bit
3: about how creating the map was difficult. Going through the different operator websites to try and find out where these services actually go. Some of them are on Google Maps, some of them are not. What did you find was the hardest thing about making the map? Was it that? My map was hard to do because of that specific issue, but maybe you found other things.
1: Yeah, your map was very helpful for me creating mine because Northland at least will list all the stop locations with an address. That's really helpful. It's great. The website's great. It is. And it uh, they do have a map. They do list their locations. And they try to find, they're going to do a private business. A lot of their stops are private businesses. They only run a few terminals that they have themselves. They try to find something where somebody could at least grab a drink or sit down, even if it's outdoors, just a bit of shelter. In Aurelia, they had to move from the old train station because that was owned by the city, and they moved to a hotel. And the hotel isn't great, but what it does have is somebody on staff all the time. You're going to probably have vending machines there. And if it's really cold, and they'll they'll have a little lobby inside. I mean, everything with the COVID's changed. It's not great, but it's better than just being a a stop in an all-nowhere where some of the other agencies use.
3: Well, this is the thing. When we were putting together our map,
1: Northland was great because
3: their website has their own map. We were just copying what they did, list all the addresses and whatnot. Uh, Greyhound was bad. Sean actually ended up finding the background somewhere on Greyhound's website, there's actually a. They did have a timetable, for each of their services. Yes, that will list the locations. You'd have to plot it out on the map. They never had a map, but we were able to make the map with that. But then some of the other, like Megabus, was terrible. You had to plot the schedule between two points without them telling you whether there was an actual route that would do that. It was very hard to make the map with that information. Did you find it even harder with the, you know, the smaller county operators? that sort of thing.
1: It depended. Um, the county operators like and some of the municipal operators would have maps, actually, but they'd be individual routes and some of them may not have maps, but they at least have a schedule that you could follow. So instead of having maps, you maybe look at a PDF or HTML schedule and, and try and try to figure out where these places are. Sometimes the directions are very clear. Sometimes it's a location that maybe a, a local would know, but it doesn't quite appear, make it easy, Google search to find this location, for example, because they might use the old uh, business name, but it doesn't, it's not what it is anymore, but everyone still refers it to it as that, say, with the ownership of a no-frills changes, they change the, the names out front, so you're looking for the wrong no-frills, for example. I have done a lot of
3: trips myself mm-hmm. through Southern Ontario by bus, as have you, and you document yours mm-hmm. on your blog. And it does seem like these there's no coordination, of course, between various operators, and it doesn't even seem that they're meant for outsiders to use, per se. <laughs> uh, what did you find the most difficult about actually planning a trip using all the different operators, intercity operators in Ontario?
1: Well, the one the one trip I did this year during uh, summertime when the counts are really low uh, was I decided to do a round, like a complete round trip um, up to Georgian Bay and back. I saw that. Yeah, so I started, and it's a funny thing because nobody really talks to each other, and trying to figure out do I stay in Owen Sound or or go all the way to Collingwood or. Do I stay in Meaford or what do I do and how, how do I get to each place? Because I want to enjoy the trip too. I wasn't just there to ride bus, buses straight through. I wanted to get out and, and wander around Owen Sound, got a chance to wander around Meaford. So I had to go and create Excel sheet of how I can make all these different connections. Now, most people will not go to that trouble. They they'll might make one transfer between two services and that's it but getting, say, between Meaford and Toronto requires services. So you have great transit routes that connects with the Blue Mountain Shuttle that's operated by Caltrans, and then you have to take Simcoe County Route 3, another Simcoe County route, and then you can take Gulf Transit from there. So that's that's five services just to get to downtown Toronto from Meaford. And some of the, the the Simcoe County links at least those two buses connecting each other. It's a single service. And it drops, if you're coming from Collingwood and Wasaga Beach, it'll take you right to the Yallendale GO station. The other issue is that with Simcoe County, it's really designed to get people to and from Barrie. So if you're coming from uh, Midland or Aurelia, uh, it'll drop you off at Georgian College or the hospital on the north side of the city. But then you have to take a Barrie transit bus, without any fair integration, to downtown Barrie or to Allendale if you want to continue on your trip. Reminds me of the trip I took this summer to Stratford. Mm -hmm. Of course, Via Rail has cut their
3: service Mm -hmm. on the Sarnia line. So if we wanted to get there in the afternoon, not late in the evening, we had to take, my partner and I had to take Go, Mm -hmm. Go train to uh, Bramley, uh, Go bus to Kitchener, and then a Perth County bus from Kitchener to Stratford. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, the Perth County bus only takes cash. You actually have to call ahead and tell them you're at the stop. The driver then said, you don't need to do that. (laughs) We'll just go to the stop. But the website suggests you need to call ahead and tell them you're at the stop. So it was an experience not designed for exploring the province. Most people would do this by car. And I was going to ask, on this topic, what does our lack of an official map say about the state of intercommunity transport in this
1: province? It's an afterthought. The fact that municipalities had to apply for these grants. And it's nice that this, the Ontario government did provide these grants. That so gives stable, multi-year funding to allow these communities to build ridership over time. And that's great because the COVID has all these different services started up just as COVID hit. Uh, that demolished the ridership and then you get some companies that say you have to uh, book your ride in advance because we have capacity limits others will say that you know we're not starting up yet because we want to wait to see what COVID's doing all of them are still running which is great because COVID or no COVID people have to get to places but it's really put a damper on some of the casual travel some of these services should have made possible. And the other thing is that even Greyhound in its final years wasn't great. And the last trip I took on Greyhound was uh, between Trottle and Pembroke, which required a stop in uh, Peterborough for a transfer. Now, the bus... Arriving at the Toronto coach terminal arrived about 20 minutes late and the guy was surly. And I said, I have connections at Pembroke. Are you able to assure that we'll get there in time? He says, he gets me up, pulls me off the bus and says, look at your tickets. If you want a refund, because I can't guarantee this connection, go get a refund. And this is Greyhound's final years. Greyhound did not care. There's probably low morale amongst the staff. But then I called the Peterborough Transit Terminal. They had a phone number. And I said, we're on a bus. It's starting from the terminal late. Uh, Will you be able to um, hold that bus if if we're going to be a few minutes late to make sure I can get to Pembroke? And she says, oh, yeah, don't worry. The Pembroke bus doesn't leave until the bus from Toronto arrives. Well, that would have been nice to hear. This is kind of the impression that I got from
3: Greyhound as well in its final years. I lived in Alberta just before they, i from Toronto, but I moved to Alberta, uh, just before Greyhound had shut down there. And they had a similar attitude. They actually closed their terminal in downtown Edmonton and moved it to the Via Rail station, a location where you can't walk to because it's next to the highway. There's no sidewalks and there's no local transit. And Greyhound just didn't care. There was, there was no care. There's no shuttle they offered. And there was images in the Edmonton Journal of people hauling their luggage along a highway off-ramp through the snow. They just did not care. And so while a lot of people have talked about how the demise of Greyhound is bad, obviously, because at least it was an integrated service, you know, on one ticket through the entire service area, it may not be so bad because they did not care as a company.
1: No, and, and the difference is that when you're running these buses, everybody's very nice There is because they're locals had conversations with drivers and because you know i might be the only person on board on some, on some of these sections i enjoyed it at the high end there's not enough information but at the face-to-face level it's a much more pleasant trip in many ways um, i had conversations with the drivers on the gray transit route service he was talking to me about uh, please ask if you play music and he just played uh, elton john's greatest hits and that it was fun and he says have you seen Rocketman man yet and i said no i haven't he said go go watch it i watched it later and i enjoyed rocket man more than i thought i would and i was just thinking about that little conversation like there's a friendliness in these buses because they're, they're small 10 to 20 seater minivans because that's what the service provides and you can run a trip multiple times a day and the, the driver you don't need a uh, driver with a BZ license, they could have a D DZ, for example, and you have sl- slightly lower labor costs, you have lower fuel costs, and you can pull these uh, little minivans into parking lots, say at medical centers or clinics, and that's where some of these stops are. So it becomes a much friendlier, a much more tuned service to local needs. And like you said, it's not great for the casual uh, traveler, Well, a lot of this information, especially when... The schedules aren't necessarily able to connect with the larger services. Uh, There's not time for that. But it is a friendlier uh, service that I hope uh, continues to expand because there are so, still some major gaps in Ontario as well. Your map shows those gaps, I think, pretty pretty amply.
3: It, just on that topic, though, I, the, the route that I rode from Wasega Beach to Collingwood, mm-hmm. the guy was playing the local classic rock station and just... Just rocking out in his front seat, and uh, it was a, it was a lot more fun than your typical Greyhound uh, experience. Because I was going to ask, you've written a lot of these these sort of newer intercommunity mm-hmm. services. We also do have new coach companies opening up, although they seem to be sticking to the low hanging fruit. Your Ottawa to Toronto and London to mm-hmm. Toronto, the old the old Greyhound type service. How would you say is the experience versus your traditional? Intercity coach on the on these newer, like the smaller intercommunity operators. You mentioned the friendliness. Anything else that jumps out at you?
1: Well, they're smaller seats. You don't have a maze like washrooms on board. And that's all something to consider if you say you're taking a trip from Guelph to Owen Sound. That's a long trip. You better make sure you're not going to have to stop along the way. But I'm sure if you asked, yeah, they're friendly. Pull you into the Tim Hortons. Yeah. Like when I took Casper across northern Ontario, Casper filled the gap left by the loss of Greyhound. Now, Ontario Northland's taken over some of their routes between Sudbury and uh, Winnipeg. But Casper still runs some of the the choir routes in that area. And they had the schedule set up that they would stop at places. Any place they stopped along the way would have a washroom because they'd be stopping at things like gas stations or donut shops or restaurants. And the driver would come out. You could they say we're going to take a five minute break here. Need to get something to eat or drink, and need to have a smoke, need to use washroom. And that was at every, almost pretty much every stop along the way. It slowed things down, but allowed them to use smaller buses, and it made for a more friendly trip. And I appreciate the fact that you're able to get off and stretch your legs because are not these are not the comfortable motor coaches that Rayhound and Ontario Northland would run.
3: Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the experience is going to be quite different. I noticed, again, bringing luggage is going to be hard. Bring a carry-on size so you can fit it maybe on the seat next to you. Otherwise, you're going to be in a little bit of trouble. I also want to ask, this is the, the big question here. Let's say we have uh, a coup or a revolution tomorrow, and Helen and I have taken over Queen's Park, and we're putting you in charge of our transportation system. So how do you fix this mess? What do you What do you do?
1: Well, the first thing I do is that I take advantage of the two transportation services that the province already owns: Go Transit, Ontario Northland. And it's ridiculous how Go Transit, for example, runs trains that run further and further and further from Toronto, and buses that go all the way up to Brantford and places and Peterborough and These are are useful routes, but there's nothing connecting the corridors to each other at the ends. And I'm thinking especially of um, Guelph to Hamilton, Kitchener to Hamilton, places like that where you have major population centers on both ends, you have GO stations on both ends, you have universities and colleges on both ends, and yet there's nothing connecting them right now. Megabus discontinued its uh, Kitchener to Hamilton routes during the pandemic. It's asked probably not coming back. But the new deregulation where the whole franchise system, where you have no competition on routes supposedly to uh, allow busy profile routes to help to cross subsidize your rural, uh, less frequent routes. But Greyhound and Coach Canada eliminated most of their rural routes, focused only on the big ones. And so the franchise system didn't make sense anymore. And I'm not a neoliberal. I'm not a big fan of deregulation in general, but at least this point says we've given up. So it's a free-for-all. But this is where Go Transit's no longer bound by the regulations as well. They can run the services that used to be franchised, such as the Kitchener-Hamilton service. So there's fewer barriers for Go Transit come in, and we can start this up. And Go Transit's great because they will Schedule connections to their trains. And they have the bus facilities at the terminals. And they have a big fleet with garages all over the GTA. So I'd I take more advantage of Gold Transit. In Northern Ontario, I expand Ontario Northland further and use that as the trunk service for a lot of these communities in Central Ontario. And they've already started doing that when they expanded their Sudbury to Ottawa service more more of that in places in, through Muskoka and maybe out towards the Bruce Peninsula it would be a route and connect and better connect to some of the, the rural uh, county and uh, intermunicipal services that that are exist the other thing of course would to be have a provincial resource again and finally i would mandate rather than just give grants to Uh, providing services to to the gaps are remaining.
3: If our conversation has a point, it's more that it should be really easy to get around this province without requiring a car for everything. Going camping, yeah, you might want your own vehicle, but doing other things shouldn't really require that. And it is very sad that it does. Do you have any final words for, for listeners?
1: I hope you take this bus map is helpful. I'm always looking for suggestions and comments because it's really hard to keep track of all the changes that take place. And if you're listening to St. Thomas, get yourselves connected to London, Prado. Oh my goodness. They need it so badly. So badly.
2: Now that we've had a chance to hear from both Shans, what can we take away from this discussion? We focused on intercity buses, but we do have the Via Rail in Canada, which is our national train service. And it does stop in both the major cities and smaller towns.
3: Helen, you're right. I mean, the rail network exists. I would say that it's probably an incomplete solution. The big reason why is it really doesn't exist outside of southern Ontario and Quebec for actual transport. So the cross-country train to Vancouver is primarily for tourists. Uh, it's a long, long route to travel, and you can't really get around the West at all uh, by train, uh, nor can you do so in the Maritimes. And even in our own province, is focused on Southern Ontario and going to and from Toronto as well. So not very extensive. And yeah, it does serve some small towns and in some strange ways. Uh, I mentioned to you in our discussion before, uh, before the episode, that it does stop in places like Genanaque, where it's the only form of transit. So via rail is an important part of our transportation network, but it's really just not complete. And I don't see the network being expanded anytime soon. Uh, a lot of the, the track is deteriorated. There doesn't seem to be an effort on behalf of the federal government or via rail itself to actually expand the network anywhere. So it's you know it is what it is, but I think we're not, we can't rely on it to expand.
2: Well, what are the other options for traveling in Canada if you don't drive? Mm, you can definitely fly between major cities.
3: Yeah. So obviously flying, I think, gets a bad rap because it's not great for the environment. Canada is pretty darn huge. So if you're going to go to Halifax, you're probably going to fly. So I, I think there's a case we made that flights are important. Maybe they're a form of public transit of a sort, but... And again, they're not really the network that's going to connect the country entirely. Flights can can be expensive. There are some discount uh, airlines now, but generally can be quite expensive. And it's also just not feasible to fly between anywhere that isn't a major city, right? So you're not going to fly to London, Ontario, from Toronto. And you're definitely not going to fly from somewhere like Windsor to Chatham or Pembroke to Ottawa. So even though, yes, we have airports, The ground network is just so, so, so important. And we don't have it. So obviously, you know, we talked about it with Sean in the episode. Uh, What ground network exists is just not set up for ease of use. There's no map. Obviously, it's the point of this episode. It's hard to change between operators. Data is hard to find. Sean did pull it together a little bit in his map. But it's hard to make a trip, right? We talked about this. And obviously, the whole thing needs a revamp. So that's that. Uh, I do think it's pretty annoying that nobody really seems to care about this. Not sure if you've seen it.
2: So I think transit advocates are fully aware of the lack of attention to transit issues within their own cities.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: But I can't think of groups beyond ATU, the Amalgamated Transit Union, that take a provincial or national approach in their advocacy efforts. Is it a question of scale? Is it too big of a topic to tackle just by one group probably probably
3: i think it's a question of scale that matters right you don't have the resources to campaign across the country but it just you've seen it too i think because you know we've both to some extent been involved in transit advocacy in toronto it's just no one talks about it like this is not an issue for a lot of people again i don't live in a town that's lost its bus stop so maybe there's Local advocates doing a lot of great work that I just don't see. So obviously, take what I'm saying with a grain of salt, everyone. But it seems like nobody cares, and there's just an assumption that if you're going to go somewhere in this country, this province, that you're just going to drive, and that seems to be the, the the status quo that everyone's accepted. Even people you'd think, you know, wouldn't think that way. So, Helen, I said at the beginning of this episode, this is a bit of a, a cause celeb for me. Uh, it's just. To me, if you can't leave the city on transit, if you have to drive to do it, you're just more likely to drive within the city. So we can build as many light rail lines as we want, but if, if you can't get around other places without transit, you're just not going to use it, right? And if you are low income and can't afford a car, then you just can't go anywhere. So there's two sort of related problems here, right, that, that are really coming back to us being so so car dependent. I think... Another reason I'm so sort of <laughs> passionate about this is that I think intercity transport or intercommunity transport, however you want to call it, can solve the so-called staycation problem. Right now, city dwellers like us, you want to travel to a rural area or somewhere that's a tourist attraction in this province, you pretty much do it by car, right? Sean talks about it on his blog. I, I talk about it a bit with him during the episode that it's it's very very hard. To figure out if you even can go somewhere without a car. And if even if you can, it's very hard to get to set up the trip. Right. So that's kind of like low hanging fruit to me, I think, giving people that option to travel. And then again, the related issue that if you're just low income, maybe you just want to go see somewhere different than just the same neighborhood you're in. And right now, you also can't do it. So it's a, just a massive problem.
2: Yeah. And I really agree that it's about, Giving people options and making travel accessible Mm -hmm. because there are many people who don't drive, you and I included, or can't drive. Mm -hmm. I think of how Canada as a country was shaped by our rail network, but these days we are very car dependent. Totally. Perhaps even more than the US, which has invested a lot in both intra- and intercity transit. In fact, the Amtrak rail network is very extensive and covers most of the lower 48 states. Vincent, you told me that when Greyhound shut down bus service in the state of Colorado, the state actually created their own bus service called Bustang.
3: Yes, they did. And I think Bustang is very interesting because it's an example of what a Canadian province could do I don't think Colorado has any major cities outside of Denver. There's some smaller regional centers. And I think that state is similar to Alberta, that there's some mountains, there's a a, sort of a prairie area, one or two major cities. It's not that, you know, a, a strange comparison between the two provinces. And yet the difference is just glaring. So, yeah, Greyhound has been cutting service across North America. And in 2015, the state of Colorado stepped in and created their own intercity Bus network, the primary network. This is very different than, say, in Ontario, where just everything feeds you into Toronto. So that's that's fantastic. They have a map, which is again better than anywhere in Canada has. Uh, they also have some specialized services designed to take people to ski resorts, for example, or to other sort of tourist areas within the state. So it's almost like the state wants you to travel places. Which, as an Ontarian or as a Canadian, uh, it's a strange thing to see, because uh, here, if you don't have a car, they're basically just telling you to stay home, which isn't which isn't great. I, I guess you know I have lots of thoughts about this this issue. I'm sure it will come up again in the podcast, but if we will learn something from this episode, I think the big takeaway for me, and hopefully everyone listening agrees, it'd be nice if we just had a bus map. the The, the province has the ability to create this, and they just haven't done so. And on a related note be nice if we just had buses to go around our province and perhaps around our country. And again, governments have the ability to create this. They can contract with third-party providers if you don't want to just drive bus companies out of business. However they do it, I don't really care. They can create a, a bus network and give people options, like you said. And it's a crying shame that they haven't.
2: Thanks again to our guests for this episode, Sean Cleaver and Sean Marshall. Our researcher is Yared Mazenta, and our audio editors are Chelsea Boddy and Rosangela Hernandez Gomez. You can find all episodes at our website, thenextstop.ca. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at thenextstoppod. Subscribe using your favorite podcast service and leave us a rating. It will help new listeners find us. From The Next Stop, I'm Helen Lee. And I'm Vincent Puhaka. Thanks for listening. Until next time.